As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. First fan cast of the month of July, Drancer. We have somehow made it to wow. to July. I know. And look, Great. just a little bit. Like, we have been pounding these things out two a week, every week. You did one on a road trip to the Okanagan. I'm sitting in Kelowna. I'm sitting in a condo in nice. Kelowna as we record this. So well, I'm just glad you let... made it over that rickety bridge, J-Pat. <laughs> what? Oh, people... <laughs> I was very on, concerned on... for you. On my Instagram. Pulling the old... Yeah, pu- yeah. On, on Jeff's Instagram, he filmed a video of him while biking, biking over a rickety bridge that was what? Like, <laughs> like 5,000 feet suspended above the ground? And I was just like, J-Pat. J-Pat, I can't do this alone, man. Like, be careful. Don't don't be Jake for Tannen here. Like, let's be safe. Um, I, I sent you quite a panicked note, but I'm glad right. that you survived your adventures. I responded with, I'm both a film, uh, a skilled uh, filmographer and bike rider, so nothing to worry about there. <laughs> two, but two claims I've seen zero evidence of, J-Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take you for a bike ride. Hey, if you're ever in Kelowna, you got to do that bike ride, though. That's the, the Myra Canyon trestle track. Mm-hmm. It's just phenomenal. Like That's my recommendation for anybody looking for recreational activity in the Okanagan. Uh, but back to the podcast for a sec, because it is into July now, and we've been cranking these things out two a week, every week, without skipping a beat. So, like, I'm saying backpat, hat tip to us, first of all, yep. because this is incredible. Like, we're now into the fifth month. I mean, much of March, April, May, June, and now July without hockey. And somehow we've managed. I mean, there have been a few times where I've gotten, you know, we've fired it up and I thought, what are we going to talk about? But uh, we've managed. So, good on us. And, you know, July 1st is usually free agent day, obviously in COVID times, that's not the case. Uh, but I just wanted to let people know that I didn't make it to free agency because I have 
re-upped with The Athletic for another year or so. The Van Cast will live on. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Congratulations. Congratulations yes. to me, too, yeah, exactly. because I get to keep you. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I went to our bosses like, can we keep him? <laughs> did, the, did the pouty face. Uh, but no, look, glad glad we could. And, you know, glad we're recording. We had, you know, Craig Custance had James Reimer, noted prick, on the 60 Minutes, the full 60 Minutes podcast. And James Reimer had connectivity issues, of course, so he was late. Uh, classic prima donna James Reimer. And uh, and so I text him just to give him a hard time. I'm like, thanks for blowing up my morning. And he thought that I was the producer of the program, who's the same producer we use, hence the delay for our podcast. That's Jeff Domet. Jeff Domet's on the on the turntables right now. And, uh, and James, so James thinks I'm the producer and he thinks I'm giving him a hard time. I almost got our producer and shit. Um, but, uh, but good, good conversation. I, I look forward to listening to James on, on Custance's program. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Jeff Demet because uh, I say we crank these things out two a week. Uh, he's a big part of it. So yeah. uh, uh, just a quick story on the podcast before we get into And there's actually some hockey. Like, guys are on the ice in Vancouver. Yeah. So we do have some Crazy. hockey content we'll get to. But, you know, it's funny. Like, I don't use LinkedIn an awful lot, but I have a LinkedIn account. And I was on it mm-hmm. about a week ago, and I realized that it wasn't up to date. So I just, you know, I think it still mentioned the podcast, and I thought, oh, I should probably move that along and and so i updated it with the fact that you know i'm now a co-host of the the van cast at the athletic and i call you to the me host i think you maybe, can just have host whatever i'm the co-host it's the two of us it's a two-man yeah. show okay. three with our producer but anyway so i guess i should probably change um my settings on linkedin because the work update then goes automatically i didn't pump it out there but it goes to everybody that I'm connected with. So then, like I did this late at night one night, I wake up the next day and my LinkedIn inbox is filled with congratulations and podcasting. Oh, how fun. You're going to really like (laughs) podcasting. (laughs) Unbeknownst, unbeknownst to them, you've been doing this for five months with, with a nary a news update from the NHL. Right, and I've been doing, I've been podcasting for the better part of four like years, years now. So, anyways, <laughs> yeah, amazing. So maybe, maybe I got to twist a few arms on LinkedIn to actually listen yeah. to the VanCast. But I like that. You're gonna My- have fun with podcast. I just there were a few people like that's so great. Enjoy it. You know. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. My, my favorite part of LinkedIn is how occasionally I get the. Like, if you're in the hockey world, right, occasionally you'll just get a ad request from someone extraordinarily random who's – it's sure. amusing. It's amusing to think that they even have LinkedIn. So it's like, you know, Chris Pronger has sent you an invite to connect, and it's just like, yeah, Chris Pronger on his LinkedIn. Like, hmm. <laughs> you know, Six-foot-five behemoth, you know? Yeah. And uh, I also got one from Kellen Lane midseason, but after oh, – wow. After Dan Murphy had already done the inside story of the of the fight night, and right. I was just like, "Damn it! <laughs> if this had come a month earlier, I would have had a good story." So no, uh, good fun. LinkedIn and hockey, man. That's a it's a good combo, and I love that all of your all of your connections, all of your you know very hoity toity LinkedIn connections are unaware of your podcasting you know heft and and prolific sort of rate of production over the past 
half decade now. I guess we better uh, boost our profile a little bit then. Spread yeah, the word, seriously. people. Let them know that uh, the VanCast uh, is on the air, or at least on your computer. Uh, hey, Canucks on the ice. Phase two officially uh, underway. You mm. uh, had hinted that over the weekend when we last recorded early in the week, but uh, they got down to business. And uh, we have seen guys, many guys, in fact, back in town. Uh, they've got the, the cohort quarantine underway. And we in the media had a chance to catch up with both Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. And you know, I guess it stands to reason uh, when a guy is 20 years old and you haven't seen him for four months. I just thought Quinn Hughes looked older. Like when he popped up on Zoom the other day, I was like, damn, like this guy's still he looked, growing. He, he looked wide. He did. Don't he think? looked bigger. He looked, yeah, absolutely. He looked thick with C, three C's. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did. He looked big. And he talked about it, right? He talked about getting stronger. And I, I actually, I, I, I tried to follow up toward the end of it, but they they couldn't fit me in. But the comment that he made about how he's going to be better now because of the break. I know. <laughs> I thought that was an absolutely fascinating comment. The idea that he maybe felt like he was slowing down toward the end of last season just completely doesn't match my own experience of watching Quinn Hughes play down the stretch. Like I'm watching this guy. I'm like, this guy's built like Gumby. Like he could skate 40 minutes a night. Like, I don't think he breaks a sweat. And then to hear him be like, man, that was really wearing on me. This break has allowed me to focus on putting on weight and getting stronger. And, you know, just an amazing, I thought that was a wildly interesting comment in part because, you know, from the outside looking in the way that Quinn Hughes controls games and slows things down. Like it looks effortless in in a very interesting way. But of course the experience of actually doing those things, you know, it makes sense that it's so much more difficult than it, than he makes the game look right. I like the way that he phrased it though. Like he came out and said, you know, this time off has been good for me. Which, and I was like, damn, hockey world, like, look out if this guy, yeah. you know, is supercharged Seriously. Quinn Hughes. But he, <laughs> you know, he didn't come out in, in, in as many words and say, you know, it was wearing me down and I was starting to feel it. It was just, this time off has been good and look out because here I come. And, you know, if you're a Canuck fan or you're the Vancouver Canucks, like, you got to be jacked that, you know, that's sort of the approach, that's the mindset. I mean, the guy is just... He's so confident. We know that, but I just I kind of like the way that he phrased it and deliberately. And he wasn't being cocky. He was just like, "Look, this time off's been good for me. I'm going to be better coming out of this than I was going in." And we know how good he was when play stopped. So, uh, yeah, that that was sort of the takeaway for for me from Quinn Hughes. Now, I will is, admit, is Quinn Hughes too low key to be cocky, or is it just my perception of him? Like, my yeah, perception I, I of Quinn think... Hughes is that he's so low-key that even when he's expressing a confident sentiment, there's no way to read it as cocky because he's not like, yeah, let's go. He's like, yeah, let's go. Like, I'm ready to play, and I'm excited for it, and I'm going to be way better now. You know? Like, right. Just, and... His demeanor is so low-key, I can't read cocky off him ever. Right, and that quote that he gave Ken Warren of the Hockey News in Toronto, you mm -hmm. know, where you know he basically said, like, nobody's played better than I have in the last bunch of months or whatever the quote was – Yes. Now, I, I wasn't around, like, I would have loved to have sort of heard the delivery of that, uh, you know, to your point, because I, I don't, I, I think he's just so supremely confident. Like, he knows how good he is, yeah. and there isn't, like, you're right, like, I don't get a sense that it's boastful in any way, he just believes how good he is, and then he gets out there on the ice and he backs it up, so, 
yeah, I, I just, you know, to hear him say that though, like that is, that's really exciting. It's just, and, yeah. and you know, I can't wait to uh, get him revved up and, and start to play some games. Now I was out on this death defying bicycle ride with the family here in <laughs> Kelowna yesterday. So I didn't take part in uh, the Elias Pettersson zoom call, but I understand you got into uh, his television viewing habits uh, among other, was, was there anything that jumped out at you from uh, EP40? Yeah, EP40 hasn't skated in months. That's what jumped out to me, right? He's just like, I've never been off the ice this long. I really wasn't on the ice during this break. Uh, you know, I, I need to get back to my on-ice strength uh, and on-ice sort of fitness. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a bit, but it's not going to take that long. That was sort of the, the main performance-related nugget from the EP40 avail. But look, I mean, I thought EP40 was his usual self. You know, he's sardonic he's got that sense of humor he was laughing and winking at the idea of you know him binging gossip girls in cohort quarantine which he's clearly doing and like at some point i'm getting to the bottom of like you know whether he's a blair guy um <laughs> in terms of his gossip girl viewing habits you you're not a gossip girl guy right j pat there's am, no way i am not. there's literally no. zero way like i don't even know why i asked um, I think I'm a, gossip you should watch it. I'm a gossip guy, but not, not a gossip girl guy. <laughs> I think you should watch it. I think I think you should watch it so that you and EP have something to bond over. Where, like, how did that even surface on this call? Like, uh, Brock Besser's been watching it and posted on IG. Like, does who thinks he ran a poll? Like, who thinks ah, EP's okay. been watching Gossip Girl? So you know, just that got my antenna up, right? I, I know at that point that they're joking about the fact that they're obviously both watching it, and so I figured I'd ask. And you know, EP played coy, but but he had fun with it, and that's sort of the point. I mean, you know, I had I had a guy in my mentions, and he wasn't being a jerk. I, I realized after I replied as if he was, but he, you know, he's like, uh, way to ask the tough questions. <laughs> and I was just like, come on, man, like. The Zoom, this uh, a Zoom with twenty media members and a Canucks twenty year old on their third day back in town. Like, I'm not throwing my fastball right now. Like, this is not the time. I'm not gonna get, you know. A, a I mean, I asked him about his BLM statement. Like, I, I'm not saying that I went there just to ask about Gossip Girl, but there's a time and a place to to throw your fastball, and that wasn't that wasn't it. That was, you know, batting practice. Really, let's be real. So. Uh, anyway, it was, uh, at the end of the day, good to hear them, good to have some sense of, you know, players are on the ice and then they do media, you know, like good to have some sort of sense of routine. I think we'll get a lot more of that. And then I also chatted J Pat and I'll have a piece on this tomorrow, but I also chatted with Tyler Myers, who's, who just returned to Vancouver from Kelowna. Uh, you know, he left his family, uh, back in Kelowna. They may visit. He's, they're sort of figuring out exactly what it was, but obviously, uh, the decision this is a veteran guy pretty involved uh in terms of tracking you know cba talks and return to play talks and you know following bonnie henry updates and <laughs> i mean this is a this is a mature veteran family guy leave you know ma essentially leaving his family for what could be months and you know he talked about sort of how that's weighing on his mind and his concern seeing you know all the positive tests not just in the nhl but across north american professional sports and, you know, his family has a situation where his son in particular has some health concerns and they took this very seriously in terms of locking down uh, because they weren't sure if he fit into a vulnerable category or not. And, and that's another sort of factor that's been weighing heavily on Tyler Myers as he sort of 
encroaches on on returning to play for phase two in that group of Canadians who you know stayed locally uh, I'd expect him back on the ice either early uh, late this week or early next and you know he'll he'll be doing it with a lot on his mind uh, as you can understand right so he's on his way back and uh, we know we found out earlier in the week that uh, Jake isn't yet inside the bubble <laughs> no <laughs> For all the no, world to see, Jake was uh, on he's video. Inside we his know. own bubble, JPAT. Y- yes. Uh, second time this, and it's not the off season, whatever it is, this hiatus. Because uh, remember, there was the firestorm when he was driving and was recording video. The the distracted driving video, uh, that thing seemed to pass and die down a little bit. And uh, I was on my way out of town, so I didn't give it a ton of time. But, I mean, I saw the video. Uh, he's at a nightclub. He's a young guy. He's not yet stepped into the Canuck bubble. So we know that phase two is still voluntary. He hasn't broken any rules, but at the same time, you know, we're at a point in time where it can't just be, you know, about you. Like, you know, you, you do have to keep your, your teammates in mind. And, and at some point here, Jake Vertanen is going to get inside the bubble. I don't know if uh, he's made that call yet, but I would think in the next little while, uh, he'll join the groups and be on the ice at Rogers Arena. Uh, whatever. I mean, yeah, whatever. Th- th- this one felt like much ado about nothing to me. Yeah, you know, I I showed up at the TSN 1040 studio in the morning to to fill in host with McCletchy because Halford and Bruff are off this week, and I we had the TV on to CTV and CTV like morning news or breakfast TV or whatever had built like a full segment, like Jake for right. in the club with a lower third identifying him like Jake for at celebrities <laughs> nightclub. And that's sort of, you know, I got into the studio and my impulse was guy didn't break any rules, whatever. This isn't a lot different to me to going and having an indoor meal at a restaurant. And when I saw that though, the sort of old PR guy brain of mine kicked up and, and I guess what, would have would have frustrated me as you know a PR guy working with that player is just that like this is the second time where you've told on yourself right like where where a a buddy this isn't a looky loo from four booths over spotting you and making a deal out of nothing like this is you know your own discretion that's sort of causing this and then the second thing is you know this is now the second time in a week that you know our brand like the Canucks brand reputationally during a pandemic is going to be associated in the minds of casual fans with, you know, maybe not, not taking this as seriously as we should be. Right. And you think about Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dick sort of criticizing the NHL's protocols. And then you have, you know, the nightclub thing and that's airing on CTV, like that's airing on mainstream news. And, And you just sort of would get frustrated. I think just to be associated with that, especially when you see, all of the rigmarole that the players and the staff are jumping through to host phase two and, and ultimately move into phase three in a, in a safe way. So th- those would have been what would have frustrated me as a PR guy. But in terms of overall, my overall reaction to it, like I just don't see how that's any different from going and eating indoor an indoor meal at a restaurant. And, you know, from me anyway, and I don't think this will come as any surprise to our listeners, I'm not comfortable doing either yet. So, <laughs> so it goes. Yeah, I, I guess the concern, and Jake seems to be the poster boy, is, you know, you get this group of, I mean, it's not the entire league, obviously, because there's the seven teams that aren't going to be in a bubble, but let's say 500 players, 
you know, these are young guys with dough uh, who are accustomed to a lifestyle. And, you know, it's okay for Jake Furtanen to do this now, but, you know, two weeks from now, like, you just wonder, like, is there going to be a guy that feels he's got that itch that he's got to scratch? And, you know, like, can they keep 500 guys who are used to having their way and doing things their way and being catered to, uh, you know, can they keep them in line? And I, I think this is going to be the, for me, sort of the, the most interesting part of this whole biodome experience is, you know, will somebody go rogue? Like, I know that they're going to read them the riot act, but these guys are creatures of habit. And I think at times the rules don't apply to them, or at least they perceive that the rules maybe don't apply to them. You know, can they keep everybody in line? I mean, they have to, yeah. but will no, they be they able can't, to? Though. They can't. And, and that's why it was so important. I think in the final assessment that the league abandoned the fantasy of a completely locked down bubble in Vegas, right? Like, I think it's important that the league made a call to choose to operate bubble cities or hub cities in jurisdictions with relatively low rates of community transmission because, you know, at the end of the day, noncompliance is an inevitability in a group of five or 600 people. We've seen it in the Bundesliga where a coach goes and buys toothpaste and can't manage his team the next game. <laughs> we've seen it in the EPL where, you know, players go and get haircuts. Uh, we've seen it. Like, we're going to see it. And so, you know, choosing a market like Edmonton, choosing a market like Vancouver, which the league tried to do before sort of, you know, being told to uh, look at the hand by Dr. Bonnie Henry at, at choosing Toronto, which has higher rates than Western Canada, but nonetheless is an awful lot better than being in the States at the moment where they're adding 50,000 plus cases a day. Uh, you know, th those choices decrease the risk in the inevitable, like when the inevitable instance of noncompliance occurs, there will be less risk in those markets. And that's why that was such an important choice for the NHL to make a safety-centric one, and one that, honestly, I think they deserve some plaudits for. Uh, this is the self-serving part. Well, maybe not. We already did one of the self-serving parts of the podcast. Yeah, we always but, do this. It's a, but, self, it's a podcast. It's all self-serving. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, not a surprise in the least, but the news came down that Young Stars isn't going to happen. And, and oh. you know, it's just the latest in a long list of things that have been uh, stricken, stricken by COVID. But... It is such a good event and in such a great place at a great time of year and such a, what a remarkable way to kick off and sort of launch the hockey season with, you know, you're just immersed in hockey for a weekend in Penticton, uh, hockey oh. during the day, you know, and then you go out and have some fun at night and uh, yep. it, it just, now, you know, if ever there was a year maybe for it not to happen from a Canuck perspective, uh, this is probably a good one just because with all of their college guys and European play, like I think they were going to have trouble fielding a, a you know a legitimate team of well certainly young stars, but even at that like grade A prospects, just you know they're where they are in their cycle. They've had yeah. some of the big guys come through that tournament, but you know I, I don't I don't know what a Canuck team would have looked like in September. Um, so you know I'm not sure that we're missing out seeing. Um, you know, guys that we're absolutely clamoring to get a look at in that prospects tournament from a Canucks perspective. Nevertheless, it just sucks. It flat out sucks that yeah. uh, it's not going to happen this year. You're, you, we're missing out on the D. McKellis, 
William Lockwood, Nils Hoglander top line, which, you know what? I would have found a way to get hyped for that, J-Pat, to be totally honest with you. Might have no, the taken Hoglander, me... Hoglander hype would have been there for yeah. sure. You're right. Yeah. And it would have been, would have, maybe it would have taken me a bottle and a half of, you know, the, <laughs> the arachnophobia red blend from, from up on Naramata. But, uh, you know, I would have got there. I would have for Who sure you got kidding? there. You would have been hopped up on cranberry jam. <laughs> cranberry jam. Man. Man, no, honestly, when I think about the things that I'm going to miss the most about this summer, first of all, today, July 3rd, uh, you know, I'm, I'm filling hosting in the afternoon and maybe I would have done that anyway, but today, like this week would have been like the end, you know what I mean, of a really yep. busy stretch, and yep. instead it's like things are just ramping up, and, and like, I can't believe, not only have we done these two podcasts, but I look back, I've written 50 articles over the past three months, and I was just like, how have I done this? Like, nothing has happened. And I, I'm tired, J-Pat. Like, I'm old and tired, and I'm cranky, as any podcast listener can tell. And I'm just – now now we have to get started again. I, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to take it a little bit easier this week. But, man, um, but when I think about the things that I missed this summer, it's one that July 3rd I'd be like, ah, nice and easy for the next two months. Two, losing that Seattle Blue Jays series down at – what used to be called Safeco, and and I can't bother to learn the name of the new corporate sponsor, but a beautiful building. T-Mobile. Yeah. T-Mobile, I love that ballpark. Was really looking forward to that weekend. And three, Penticton Young Stars. I was so excited. It's it's my absolute favorite event, and you know I'm hopeful that we'll get to do it again in a normal world, J-Pat, um, where we can you know drink some wine and and chill on the lakefront and cover some hockey as we do. If you're old and cranky, my God, I don't even want to think what uh, <laughs> that makes me. But look, of your 50 pieces, uh, of the 50 pieces you've written, uh, I, I enjoyed the Litvinov piece. I knew it was coming. We had talked about it a little bit, but I, I obviously uh, read it like everybody else did. And what a, a just a neat story about a, a place that most of us will never get to. But to think of a town of 25,000 in the Czech Republic, I, I like the fact that 5,000 of the 25,000 packed <laughs> the place. I like the fact they got a pro hockey team with a population of 2,500. Yeah, but just... and, and one that doesn't get relegated, right? Like, they're, like, <laughs> yes. always in the top league. Um, no, it's it's a cool story and, and seems like a cool place. Honestly, the Ivan Holinka Stadion is now on my hockey bucket list, especially after Verbata told me he went for seconds of sausages. Um, you know, that really <laughs> sold me. I was like, oh, man, I got to go. Uh, but no, look, that was a that was a really cool piece. And, and talking to Robert Long, um, who lives in La Jolla, California now, um, you know, it was like a 15 minute interview. And then we talked for 50 more minutes. Uh, what, what a what an absolute class guy just chatted about hockey and overcoaching and, you know, how the game's played now versus how it used to be played and the possibilities that open up when, when players are familiar with one another, like long has a pretty similar outlook to what Henrik and Daniel Sedin do about the possibilities that NHL teams miss in a league. That's all about speed North South games and, and shots, shots, shots. And I, I just find that perspective so fascinating. The fact that it's so widely shared by the likes of Verby and, and long and Henrik and Daniel, like the older European players you know, they watch the NHL and they see possibilities missed now. And I just find that dynamic absolutely fascinating. Um, had a great chat with him. Uh, Francois was hilarious to chat with. And, and this Jan Mishak kid who's going to be a first or second rounder at the 2020 20 NHL entry draft. Like, you know, 
you could tell talking to him like he wears his love and passion not just for hockey not just for his community but for hc litvinov in such a relatable way like everyone grew up a crazy big fan of one team you know his talking about his reaction to the celebration in his town when they won the championship like reminds me of my reaction to 2010 in vancouver you know and and i i found that to be uh, a very endearing chat with a with a very very bright kid uh, who's obviously got a very bright hockey future based on what he's shown not just in the Czech extra league as a 16 year old which is insanity but also in the chl this past half season anyway with the hamilton bulldogs yeah, as I read it, like it took me back to to my days in Kamloops, and you know where Kamloops mm. was in that cycle of winning three Memorial Cups in four years, and just the buy in in a, a town like that. And you know, at the time, I think that was eighty thousand. So uh, again, and you know, they would put fifty six hundred in the Riverside Coliseum night after night to to watch the Blazers just dominate and blow away the competition, but. You know, 5,000 people in a town of 25,000. And I like the fact that they don't play defense there at all. <laughs> yes, <laughs> me too. <laughs> that, was evidently, that was evidently apparent reading the, the piece. Was I know. Every, just all-out offense. Just an offensive <laughs> assault. <laughs> I know. I love it. But, like, you know, that's that's such good stuff. Like, the idea that there's this town that's like, we want goals. We want goals. <laughs> like, in the Czech Republic. That's You know, and the, and the fact that, like, that generation that won the 98 they call them the golden generation and they should but not only were they all on the same team like if you go look at their birth years they were all within 18 months of one another right and they all like right. like i had a czech photographer read the piece and reach out to me and he sent me a school photo and you can see seven future gold medalists in this like classic elementary school photo oh, that's insane. At, at the years and it's just like it's nuts to think that in this small town of 25,000 you had a class, one class. Forget one. Forget a bunch of guys on one team, but w- a bunch of guys in one elementary school class who went on to like dominate the best uh, or the biggest, most impactful tournament of the 20th century in in the sport of hockey. Uh, all come from one sort of one sort of rambunctious. I'm sure that, I'm sure they were rambunctious. You know, sort of grade one class. Like it's, it's mind blowing. So a lot of fun to do. And and the documentary that Verbata did called factory on ice is well worth your time like uh, Sunderland till I die but about Czech hockey and with a happy ending um I, I really enjoyed uh, getting a chance to watch that uh, last weekend too yeah I'm looking forward to it I'm going to find it uh, I like the fact that uh, Verby's a filmmaker now the one thing that wasn't answered in any of this and I don't know if you know the answer but why was the outdoor game in the Czech league played in Germany because they don't have a big soccer stadium and Dresden's like just across the border. Dresden, oh, okay. of course, a beautiful right. town, uh, yep. absolute must see. Um, you know, a UNESCO heritage site, and there's all sorts of sort of um, dilapidated buildings that have been preserved, broken from the firebombing, the famous firebombing, as written about by Kurt Vonnegut in Slaughterhouse Five. Uh, but I spent three days in Dresden back in 2005 one of my absolute favorite places and then i went on to actually visit the czech republic and the most district uh, on that particular trip had a great time this is now just a bourgeois flex so i will i will stop but 
Um, that's why they hosted it in Dresden. <laughs> okay, that makes makes perfect sense, I, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, hey, Frank, Frank Saravalli from TSN joins Scott Burnside on Two-Man Advantage. The guys discuss the outcome of the NHL draft lottery, the Hall of Fame selections, NHL awards, and a whole lot more. Obviously, all the latest uh, going on in the return to play. So you can find that podcast at The Athletic. And check out our comments section for each podcast episode at the Athletic app. And don't forget to rate and subscribe. The VanCast on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash the VanCast, you'll get 40% off your subscription. Now, you're not getting off that easily. I think you probably thought that I was wrapping this thing up. But, uh, of course, no. No. Uh, I, knew, have I, knew, that... I knew. I knew. Yes. I know you have okay. a score to settle. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see if Who I, was after it? Was I... it Robitaille? Robitaille was the one that I completely stumped you with? Yeah, Mike Robitaille. Mike Robitaille. Even I can get that. All right. Exactly. Go. Yes. All right. Okay, let's finish up with name that Canuck. This former Canuck scored 24 goals in 24 games for the Chicago Cheetahs of Rome oh my Hockey goodness. International in 1995. Wow. In 1995. Yeah, you got some Chicago Holy Cheetahs cow. merch and gear. Yeah. No. Uh, you must have you know a hat. What? Those, those old 90s roller hockey teams, though had the coolest names and branding of all time. Like, the Vancouver Voodoo are still exceptionally cool. Okay, so I'm going to guess this guy must have been a young player. Hang on. No, oh. the, the, the clue isn't over yet. You oh, okay. just interjected with your fond memories of RHI. Sorry, sorry, sorry. This former Canucks scored 24 goals in 24 games for the Chicago Cheetahs of Roller Hockey International in 1995, the year before he broke into the NHL with a franchise other than the Canucks. God. Well, I brought this on myself, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> hey, this um, is modern day. You were alive at least when this guy played. The 95 Chicago Cheetahs. Don't you dare Google. I, of course, I would never. Um, huh. There's no way. I would, I'm guessing that this guy must have been early in his career. And... So would have been like a, you know on the Canucks in the late nineties ish. I'm gonna guess Bill McCulloch. It is not Bill McCulloch. Uh, okay, clue number two. This guy played for four NHL franchises during his career. Two of them were coached by Mike Keenan, and I like this. The scoring leaders on the teams he played for were in order: Brett Hull, Wayne Gretzky, Yarmir Yager, and Marcus Naslund. Okay. So he's teammates with those guys. Yeah, so Blues, Blues, Rangers, Penguins, Canucks. And must have been a grinder. Who's a grinder that I remember from the late 90s St. Louis Blues? I'm going to guess... Oh, oh man. It's hard to come up with, like... Uh, I'm going to guess Mark Bergevin. He played for the Blues in the late 90s, right? Uh, he did, but it's not Mark Bergevin. Okay. So we go on to clue number three, which I think at some point you'll get here, I hope. Uh, maybe. I no, you hope. don't. No, you don't. All right. This player was claimed on waivers by the Canucks from Pittsburgh in December 1998, spent two seasons here primarily as a defensive forward and penalty killer before concussions ended his big league career. Mmm. I'm just taking mm. a break. You're taking a break because there's more to the third clue. Okay. 
Statistically, the pride of Pinocchio, Alberta wasn't a Big Apple guy, but fittingly, the Big Apple was one of his NHL homes for parts of two seasons. Right. An Alberta penalty killer who played on the Canucks in the late 90s. Ooh, buddy. Ooh, buddy. Um, Darby Hendrickson was an American, so it's not him. Bill McCult's a local kid, it's not him. Harold Drukin was from Newfoundland, right? Yes. Um, I don't think... Yeah. I'm going to... I'm going to strike out, I'm pretty sure here. And I'm going to guess, though... Oh, God. Um... He only played four seasons, so it can't be Scatcherd. I'm out of I'm out of uh, I'm out of late '90s Canucks names like like Peter. You're Schaefer. in the you're in the ballpark though. You 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 sort of you're skating around this guy. Peter he Schaefer. Ter- Pardon? I'm gonna guess Peter Schaefer. No, although I think he played a lot with Peter Schaefer. I was just looking at uh, some of the uh, box scores, and he seemed to yeah. set up a number of Peter Schaefer goals. So. Uh, I'm going to say he was a Peter So Schaefer I got his line mate. mate. I got his line mate. And I also ha- happen to remember much of the bottom six, I guess, of this freaking bad Canucks team <laughs> in the early Mark Crawford years. Who is it? Harry York. Harry York. Oh, I shouldn't That's have guessed I... Schaefer. I shouldn't have guessed Schaefer because he didn't have concussions in his career. But I was know, trying to the Big Apple. The Big Apple was your clue there. New York. I know. Come right. Come on. Uh, I tried. Uh, no, I like the clue within a clue. That's good. You, full credit to you, but that's a, that's a zero pointer for me. And and you know what? I'm not going to have too much shame. I'm also pretty happy with my guesses. You, you you know what? You picked an era I knew well. Like I grew up in that era. I knew that era well. So I, I should have got it. I didn't. Fair game. Uh, we're even now. We'll we'll get. We should probably pick some easier guys uh, next week. And 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 probably end it next week jpat i think next week should be our final name that canuck uh since we're gonna have actual hockey to discuss again uh following that like we'll probably be at phase three practices in the building for all we know so uh, you know i think we should consider uh doing next week as like let's tally up the scores high stakes next week last week of name that canuck and then we declare a winner double or nothing on the gumbag <laughs> no, I don't think it works that way on the double or nothing because look, there are days, there are days I, you I tolerate that. No, because there are days I swear, like honestly, there are days I swear that COVID nineteen was your invention just to get out from paying this dollar fifty bubblegum bet. But uh, Tim Schaller would have definitely had six in his last eight games following a call up from Ontario. J Pat, clearly, clearly, right. I was. Clearly, I had you right where I wanted. Yes. Well, a, a forgettable <laughs> week. A forgettable week for Name That Canuck, but I'm with you. We'll finish up strong, uh, one each next week, and hopefully uh, we'll do a little better than we did here uh, with uh, Mike Robitaille and, and Harry York. Yes, not uh, two of the most Yikes. prominent alumni <laughs> of the band. <laughs> I'm glad before we closed the tournament that we truly became dipshits. <laughs> with really tough, with really tough ones. So uh, good on us. Well, let's go easier next week and do it for the title. All right. Uh, have yourselves a great weekend. Thanks as always for listening to the Vancast. Tell a friend that uh, we're in the podcast business because and we're on uh, LinkedIn. Yes, apparently <laughs> not enough of you out there on LinkedIn. 
uh, know what I'm up to uh, on a daily basis. But uh, we appreciate uh, your support of the pod. We say it every time. If you have uh, you know guest ideas or uh, topics, segments that you'd like us to hit on, uh, you know where to find us on social media. So uh, reach out, and uh, uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. From you, have yourselves a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Vancast here at the Athletic and theAthletic.com.